0: In the box, tries to screw him. Is it going to be there? It yes! Is! Oh my word! Come it's in!
2: It! You're listening to the number one pod for Sheffield Wednesday. This is the wednesday till i die podcast just when you think it's all over they go and do that the gap down to four points and survival in the championship is very much back on for at least a week anyway Uh, hello and welcome to the wednesday Till I Die podcast i'm james mapping alongside me this evening is matt to go through the two nil win away at millwall matt first of all how are you mate you all right
3: yeah, not too bad, James. A little worse for wear today, but aside from that, all good.
2: <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, get straight into that and the reason why you're feeling a little bit worse for wear. You were in London yesterday.
3: Um, been to the Den before, Matt? Uh, a, a long time ago. Uh, I think it was around 2013, um, but I will be honest, it was a Tuesday night and I didn't experience all the delights that London Bridge and all its <laughs> bars had to offer, which I give you a good kick yesterday. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, do you know what? I, I've never been to the Den either, but just. It looks a tidy ground, to be fair. I think, mean, well, certainly three sides are the same. I think the away end looks a little bit different to, to the other three. But, you know, it looks, like, it looks quite a tidy little ground as far as grounds come. And, you know, it's not like a bowl like all these boring ones mm. anymore. It looks it looks quite compact and all right. I mean, I wouldn't like to play there, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, as far as the ground looks, it's it's not too bad, is it?
3: outside of it it's not anything particularly pleasing on the eye it is if you were to just say I need a football stadium here that is exactly what it looks like outside in terms of actual setup inside I think it's I think it's one of the better away ends that you go to it's got a big massive like kind of like open bit at the back which is open throughout the game and before the game so you don't get kind of like that huge congestion on sort of like a concourse you've got bars both inside and outside It did help that it went chucking it down yesterday um, but it was, yeah, it is, uh, uh, when you get up into the stand as well, you, you don't have to just go into like a lower tier and an upper tier. Everything's kind of like starts off at ground level and you've got tiers going up into the lower tier immediately in front and then a couple of stairs up to the top. So it is, you do get all 3,000 of us who were down there yesterday. You do get everybody all mixing, which makes half time a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, just on that as well, the travelling support, I mean – I've been to a few getaway games this season. You've been to what seems like most, if not, if not all. Um, just that the, we travel in numbers and we always travel in numbers anyway, but this season more than anything. I mean, I know we're going to talk about a win, a rare away win, what third one of the season so far, but you know, it's is amazing in it. How many people and you know, that, that continue to turn up Tuesday night, Saturday, wherever it is, you know, Plymouth, obviously down in London this weekend and, and everything. And you know, it's, it's fantastic to see. in it because not many clubs have got that sort of support, even when they're winning, let alone when they're getting beat every week.
3: Yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? It's when, it's when the going gets tough. I think one of the things that, that we can always pride ourselves on as Wednesday fans is no matter how shit the football is, you'll always still have all of us lot all turn up uh, and still enjoy not only a day out, but also we'll still back a team um, and will turn up in the numbers. It was just really nice to have something to shout about walking away from there yesterday.
2: Yeah, I mean, before we get on to Millwall and the starting lineup and everything else that came with it, um, did you see that clip of Josh Windass? Obviously, we were on some sort of podcast, weren't he? We? I think he were doing a a live stream or a a watch along for the City and Chelsea game, I think it was. And you know, he got he got asked what Cisco Munoz was like, and he replied to say. Uh, he got two points in ten games. It it, it were brilliant, and I just thought that is just fantastic the way. Uh, I mean, my delivery there was not not quite as good as what uh, Josh Windass was when he said it. But um but yeah, fantastic. I mean, what, what, what do you think to that? You know, injured, but off doing a podcast. Do you not really bothered about that, or should he have been there in the stands at Millwall? You know, living it like everyone else.
3: I've got no problem with him doing it personally he's clearly not in and around the team he's not been asked to travel I quite like the idea of players and you do see a different side to him like I watched the this morning when I had an out to do and was trying to nurse hangover off um, I had nothing to do other than to listen to the full two hours back of it so just stuck an earphone in there's some really interesting little snippets from there he talks about the, uh, the Peterborough game inevitably somebody sends a question to him and he talks about the Peterborough game um, and he's talking about the atmosphere there and he claims that it was you know it's the best comeback ever in the history of sport. He says it's better than the Liverpool the Barcelona one, um, and he talks about the when the second goal comes in. I, I won't spoil it. I won't spoil it for anybody. But there's a quote in there from Barry Bannon that is absolutely gold, which I would really encourage anybody to go and have a listen back to.
2: I think he also mentions that the atmosphere is better than the old firm as well, didn't it? Which I think he's got a, a bit of a bit of stick for. Which, yeah, I mean for me, yeah do whatever you want. Like, you know, if you're not in the squad, you know, I I don't think Josh Windass is that kind of influential person in the dressing room. Uh, You know, no disrespect to him, but I don't think he'll even say that himself. Now, if it was kind of a a Will Volks or someone like that, I think he's a bit of a motivator. Maybe you do want him around um, and everything else, but nah, do whatever you want. It's funny, someone tweeted him and said um, that they saw him driving a Range Rover or something. And he's like, that's funny, that because I'm in London and I went on the train. So, uh, so yeah. Nice, what did you say? <laughs> nice story, bro. Uh, I thought that oh, was quite, oh. uh,
3: he's, I just I don't get people getting so worked up about that type of stuff. I think, as I say, I think it's really good to hear players doing something that's outside of sort of like that mainstream media. Because yeah, he probably could have gone down and done a co-commentary for on the game yesterday for Radio Sheffield. But I actually think it's really interesting because he's around. He's good mates with one of the lads who's on that pitch side podcast, Tom Garrett. Um, and it's quite interesting to hear him just chat for two hours just about not just Wednesday related stuff but also just football in general and you get a real side for kind of like his personality because that is I mean on the pitch I'm I'm still I, I do think he's a good player for us but I do think he spends a lot of time on the treatment table and the nature of the situation that we're in that makes it difficult for us but I also do think that he's one of the you know like the interesting characters within our dressing room in terms of football and he's never afraid to speak his mind you don't get yeah. the sense that he's been media trained to within an inch of his life and whenever you do get kind of like anything from him and it is rare it is always worth a listen um yeah. he does come across in my opinion anyway he comes across a, a, as quite a decent ladder you'd, you'd want to sit down and have a conversation with
2: just on that with injuries uh I feel he's going to be another Massimo Luongo in what, I mean, like we might not keep all of him because of his injury record. And he'll go to some other club, wherever that may be, it'll be one of their fan favorites. And he'll be banging him in left, right and center. And he'll not have an injury for the rest of his career. Um, I don't know yeah. if, I don't know if Mass has picked up another injury, but he's certainly been playing well for, for Ipswich. And, and it's like, it's one of those anyway, you, you look at it and you're going to think, I think I've I, I mentioned on the de- debate show, I think he plays, plays two and then misses one. Um, Obviously, that's. But that's. Um, if all the games he's missed is down to injury, I'm not too sure if it if it is. But I would probably guess that it is, because um, Windass plays when he's fit, basically. And and yeah, you look at that, and you think, can I still can I afford to pay him what he's on when I can get this player here that's never been injured? And then yeah, lo and behold, you know the the play that you that you released then goes on to not have an injury. So it's because uh, someone someone is going to always take a punt on. On a Josh Windass, but but yeah, I, I agree. Oh, you, have you listened to the um, the one that Gary Lineker does with Micah Richards and Alan Shearer? The podcast um, is it the oh, I the can't rest is football.
3: football. That's the one. Yeah, I've listened to snippets of that. It's not one that's in my. I, I, this sounds horrendously cringe. It's not one that's in my podcast rotation. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> um, it, it, is, it, it, is, it is a great it is one.
2: Um, they they mention about you know um, I think it's Micah Richards. Knowing you said about not being media trained and they, they said like you know why do they even ask you these questions because they know what we're going to say is ah, we're always looking forward to the next next game taking one game at a time and Michael Richards is like it's fucking bullshit like you are not thinking <laughs> about you know looting away on Saturday you're thinking a Champions League Tuesday night quarterfinal he's <laughs> like, you know, it's, it, it, it's like gloves are off and they are I mean even Gary Lineker as well he, he's you know you think being on the BBC he's very much you know straight down the middle and, and I think he's kind of he's gone a bit down the garden path uh a, a little mm. bit In he's speaking his mind which is uh, which is good um anyway let's talk about Millwall then. everyone, everyone don't want to listen to Gary Lineker and everything else wanna hear what our thoughts are on uh, the <laughs> 2-0 win against Millwall Bef, before we talk about the the lineup and and stuff what, what did you think before the game because for me and I said it to you just before it could have been 4-0 to us 4-0 to them it could have been a boring 0-0 or it could have been a 4-4 with both teams just you know going blow for blow I could not call this one bit
3: no, I agree. It was a game that was beforehand and absolutely impossible to call. On paper, everything looked like it was pointing in the right direction for us to go and get a result. I mean, we were all speaking last week over a variety of different sort of like platforms about how difficult it was going to be and that it was a must win and that it was a six-pointer. But equally, you could have seen us going down there and putting in a similar performance to what we have done at times this season where you know they score early and we just sort of roll over. I mean, it's not... It's less than what a couple of weeks ago since Huddersfield, who were in a similar position to them when we played them. Um and it's it could have been absolutely anything. Um as it turned out, I'm very pleased that it wasn't. Um but yeah, it, it could have been absolutely anything before the game. I was heading down hopeful. Um, I will be honest to to to, to Millwall yesterday, but it was something that I was thinking, I am starting to get nervous now about Mm -hmm. games rather than midway through the season when you're having a bit of a laugh with it, even if it is still terrible, you're still thinking, well, there's still enough time. It is now, if we had no one yesterday, you're thinking, nah, this is you are now running out of time. This is potentially nailing the coffin." And if the, you know, if 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 it's not that, it's going to take a of a run to get out of it.
2: Yeah, I thought exactly the same. To be fair, and you've you've cut the words out of the mouth. Nailing the coffin would have been it a defeat. It was almost one of them. I, I was hoping that Millwall were going to try and play to not lose, uh, and then we would be going for the win. In the you know a draw for them although not great because they'd be looking to beat us, you know, it wouldn't be the end of the world because the team that's chasing him, well, all right, one of them is QPR, which are, you know, they are a little bit closer than what we are, but we are a team that's chasing and a defeat would be, you know, almost catastrophic. So I was hoping that they would be a bit more cagey uh, and we could really go for it, but, you know, we'll come on to, you know, the game, uh, the game in a second, but starting lineup, um, two changes, Masaba, and Palmer both came in, Gassama and Kadamarchi were the two that um, that made way. So it was Beedling goal, uh, Valentine Palmer, hequa Bernard and Johnson, Paveda, Volks, Bannon and Masaba, and Ugbo up front. Um, in terms of the formation, I haven't got a clue. I've got written down here, 5 4, one, three, four three. I've seen some people say it was more like a four four two four four one one. It could have been literally anything, couldn't it really? I mean, I was pretty certain that it was a back five, but you've said to me that it's not. And I think Tom, um, he's done some analysis with the average positions and that certainly doesn't look like a back five either. I've no idea. It worked though, didn't it?
3: Yeah, 100%. I'd say to you, obviously, before we started, I mean, it got to 10 past two and normally I'm quite religious with two o'clock and like checking my phone for all the rest of it. I was at nine beers deep by that point and looked at my phone and just went, you didn't, tell, you didn't
2: tell me that before you, I, I invited Probably. you to come on to the podcast.
3: <laughs> no, I was, as I say, I was struggling yesterday. And it got to ten past two and I turned around. I got I go games with my dad and I just turned around to him and just went, oh, shit, team news is out. And then scrolled down and was like, yeah, that looks absolutely fine. Um, it, it, I mean, it, in retrospect of it, it was – I thought he was really smart with his team selection yesterday, Danny Roll. Um, I think that game was perfect for Will Volks. Um, yeah. I was critical of his selection on Tuesday. Um, I thought for large parts of the game on Tuesday, it passed him by and he was chasing shadows a lot. I thought it was perfect for him yesterday. Um, and I, I think the the changes that he made, made us a lot more robust and difficult to beat away from home. Um, and, and arguably, I mean, Gusama coming out, Although disappointed because he has been on a good run of form, I thought when he come off on Tuesday night against Leicester, he looked absolutely shattered. Um, and it was hundred percent the right call to bring him out. He's still a young kid. Um, I mean, we're kind of seeing that a little bit with, I suppose, Caramarche at the minute, who's in and out of the team with niggling injuries—nothing really too serious—but um, those niggling injuries. Um, yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was the right call for for the starting lineup to be the way it was. Um, yeah, in terms of in terms of formation. I, I think it was. I'll be kind. I think it was flexible. Um, I I personally thought it was a flat back three with two wing backs, Um, and then you would have Pervada. Uh, and um, Masaba drop in to sort of like help out that midfield when we were out of possession and then when we were in possession and we'd get the ball you'd see Pervader and Masaba dart straight towards like wider positions and then when we started to get into a bit of a rhythm you'd then see a bit more movement but yeah I agree with you I, from a stands position I couldn't tell you and I think kind of like statistics data fans reaction whether they're at the game or not can all tell you as well it was hard to work out Do
2: you know what as well? one positive I'm thinking of is if we can't work out what's happening then I mean I suppose the opposition aren't gonna have a clue either which surely has got <laughs> to be a good thing do you know what I mean at least we're not predictable in the way they were going to line up which uh you know is perhaps gonna to, gonna to help but yeah I was happy with the lineup to be fair um I always like to see Kadamati start I always like you know he's you know one of our own and you want to see him do well and everything obviously he's come out and said he had a a bit of a niggly injury, which you know, we we cannot take risks at all at this stage. You know, whilst whilst it's kind of, you know, on the balancing edge. You know, in terms of like, you know, survival and not, you know, having a having a striker out. Although, right, he's not been he's been blowing cold more than hot um, in terms of goal scoring. But I do think he it does bring a lot you know, when you when you look at the goal that Ugbo scored against Birmingham, you know, CAD's played a massive part in that uh, in that game. So I do think he's he is influential, you know, despite him scoring. Uh, so yeah, I would like to see him, but you know, if he has got an injury, like I said, fair enough. Um Ugbo as well, you know, he's uh, well he obviously scored another goal didn't he yesterday, so he's the he's the informed striker now. I do need to apologise again, I suppose because uh, I did say he's not gonna get us those ten goals. Well he's <laughs> He's 30% of the way there I and mean, there is still, you know, yeah. 13 14 games left of the season so he might be that person to get get uh, get 10 goals and I might be yeah, eating me eating me hat in terms of that comment.
3: He's a really interesting player innit? I mean we'll get we'll get onto the game obviously in a minute but I, he's such an interesting player because he goes for large spells of the game you don't notice him but then in those crucial moments where you need a forward inside the width of the width of the goal he seems to be there and give himself a lot of chances, and I mean, even even before, obviously he started putting the ball in the back of the net. He would still have a at least one chance a game in the ones that he he played before, and I mean, he was unlucky with obviously the efforts that come off the post and all the rest of it. Um, but yeah, he's I can understand why Cardiff fans were but were unsure on him because I suppose mm-hmm. if he goes through a run of not scoring for a while in your team you are kind of sat there thinking, "What? I don't know what you're offering really.
2: Yeah. I, th- I think he, he had a great run at the start of the season. Scored against us, of course. I think he scored three and five, I want to say. <clears throat> and then uh, kind of didn't score since really until he scored for us. I saw a stat as well, which said that uh, two thirds of his goals that he scores, he ends up in the back of the net, um, <laughs> which I thought was <laughs> quite funny. Um and then I think if you look I think his average uh you no know, for his goals distance away from the goal is probably about half a yard because he is you know <laughs> two of the goals mm. at his score. We're literally just poking it in the net. But as you've mentioned, you need someone there to poke those into the net. You know, there's no good. How many times have you seen the ball flash across the you know the face of goal and you think fucking I'll just, just just gamble and just get on the end of it? But you know, maybe he's gonna be that person that's uh that's going to do that. Um, before we kind of drill into more, you know, first half, second half and some of the the goals that we scored, I mean, what a win. Like, h- how big, Matt, is that win in the context of this season and survival? Because it feels like he's been six pointers, like literally every single week.
3: Yeah, I think away from home as well. Um, it's crucial. It's our third away win from home all season. Um, it, I mean, that tells you everything that you need to know. Um, And if you are going to start winning away from home, now is the time to do it. Even if you just chuck a couple in there between now and the end of the season, that is more than we've had for large spells of it. You mix that in with some decent home form, that gives us a a more than fighting chance of staying up. Um, I mean, I've been saying it since October. Um, It's a huge win as long as we are still in touch with around come April time, going into that kind of like run at that little block of fixtures around Easter. I'm more than happy. Um, it Wouldn't it be great if we could, you know, just, I mean, the next four games, we beat everybody 3-0 and climb ourselves out of that relegation zone. We're all on the beach by mid-April. But the reality is that that's not Sheffield Wednesday and that's definitely not how this season has gone. No. Um, in, in terms of yesterday, the result, it was, it was a huge win um, because it's also, it's dragged more teams in and around us now as well. Um, what was it, a couple of weeks ago when we played Huddersfield and we were coming away from that game and the gap was, what, eight points to safety? Yeah. We're now eight points from, I think it's Plymouth in 15th, um, which is, you know, that gives you a real good chance of dragging other teams. If you're not going to drag yourself out of the situation, bring everybody else with you so that if you are there and you do kind of like put a run together, there are a number of teams who are also... Could potentially slip into that Um, bottom three, and it's not you're not just relying on oh we've got one team we're aiming for, but we're still below uh, another. So you know you're needing sort of snookers.
2: Yeah, I think I looked in. I don't think it finished like this. I think Birmingham scored a fairly late goal to win. But yeah. at one point, fairly late on, I think there was there was only us and QPR that were that were not lo- not losing out of mm. from twelve downwards. I think yeah, I think Birmingham wouldn't obviously Plymouth lost in the in the lunchtime kickoff as well. So the you know it was one of those that for once we've won and we we have kind of caught three points on on loads and and what you generally find obviously the last two seasons when you're in League One. you you know you're winning every single game you draw and you feel it does feel like a defeat because everyone else has won and they've you know taken two points off you i find at the bottom when when you look there's a lot of red l's at the bottom you know in terms of how many games that teams have lost there isn't many green w's do i mean so if you can get one of them wins that are kind of une- unexpected. All right, beating Millwall is not unexpected. What I mean in terms of not many teams do win down there. You can kind of catch the, those three points on them teams ahead of you. And you know, I mean, Birmingham have just proved that. Put two wins together. I mean, they lost against us. They've won the next two, and and they've shot up to to fifteenth, and you know, six points clear of safety. Which and they were well in the mire after we uh, after we beat them. So it just does show that a few wins and you can. Certainly, shoot up there. I mean, you you were there, Matt. The team at the end coming, you know, coming to to that, coming to the away supporters and everything. You see that togetherness, and you see, you know, Danny Real at the end as well, coming over and fist pumping to the crowd. Like you want to see that doing you? It looks like they are together. I know I mentioned after the Huddersfield game, they looked far from that. They looked, a, you know, a, a well beaten team but it looks you know when things are going well they do look like they they are all pulling in that same direction don't they
3: yeah i mentioned it on wednesday night on the debate show um in terms of it after leicester on tuesday every single one of the players who had played whether they were a sub whether they were an unused sub coach and stuff they all came over and stood in front of the away end and just listened to us just sing at them for about two three minutes there wasn't there wasn't much in the way of applause it was just players standing there um and just kind of like watching it and it's and it's rare you see that in english football you see that a lot in kind of like on the continent in terms of germany and places like that you do see that a lot players go up to like a a home end or an away end and kind of take what's sort of given to them um and and yesterday we i think it was about the last 30 seconds of the game where gusama wins a free kick on the edge of the area it was last action of the game he goes down ref blows for a free kick he springs himself up and like bolts up jumps up in front of the away end he's throwing his hands up trying to get everybody involved in it and you're just thinking hang on this is this is you know this is a side that are all pulling in the same direction that know how important this game was, that know how important the result was. And you see that after. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, my head would have fallen off if I was a Millwall fan yesterday <laughs> watching a team in the 23rd doing a four, four cheers from an away end with everybody throwing their arms up. My head would have come clean off yesterday <laughs> if that would have happened. But um, and then the manager coming over five minutes later and doing exactly the same as well. So I like, oh my word, no no worse feeling as a home fan that there must be. To be fair, um, I think
2: they'd all gone by that point. Yeah, uh, judging judging true. by how it pretty much emptied when the second goal went in, I don't think many <laughs> were staying right till the end. If they did, I mean, I stayed till the end of the in the othersfield game. So maybe the, maybe the Millwall are a sadistic bunch as well. You never you never <laughs> know. Um, but yeah, like it,
3: c- c- Matt. Can we do it? C- can we stay up? A million dollar question in it. Can we? Yes. um Will we? i um, undecided. But the only reason I'm undecided is nothing to do with the coaching staff. It's because of the hole we've put ourselves into. Um, Everyone said these p-
2: next three games are massive. You know, you look. Hmm. We've got Bristol City on uh, on Saturday. I know we're kind of skipping ahead a little bit. Uh, Bristol City on Saturday. I think it's the trip to Rotherham, which is a free hit for them. That is, you know, some Rotherham fans will probably say that they'd rather beat us. And get relegated than than stay up, yep. Um, yep. and it looks like they're not going to they're not going to stay up this season. And then it's Plymouth as well, who you've mentioned there, what eight points away. They could be a lot to a lot closer by then. So them three games are pivotal, aren't they? And it's, it is is like I said, it is a million dollar question. You always you you want to hope that we can do it, but you know it was only midweek where we're thinking a defeat you know, we're talking yeah. about a defeat would be the final nail in the coffin we win and we're saying we can you know we can stay <laughs> up
3: like it's ridiculous isn't it it's absolutely ridiculous i mean I mean, uh, let's be honest, Call of Spade played. Rotherham are dead and buried. Their their biggest game of the season now that is left for them is the last game of the season and us. That is their two biggest games of the season. They are gone. They are well adrift of everything. There is no way that they are coming back from that. I mean, Rotherham fans are more than welcome to clip this if it comes back to bite me in the arse. That's fine. But I just can't see that happening. <sighs> Bristol City at home. I, I, this is very fence-sitting. I would take a draw now. I would take a draw if you'd offered it to me. If, you know, we go to Rotherham and we give it a good go, because then, I mean, they're not going to roll over Rotherham in that particular game. I haven't seen much of them this year, um, but it seems like that they are in most of their games, at least for a spell. And then much like ourselves, they get a goal and they seem to kick on a little bit, or it turns into a roll over and die sort of attitude. Um, which has been which has been us for large spells of the season. Um, we might just be hitting a little bit of a corner at the right time in terms of those last two games. I know that sounds mental when one of them is a loss, um, but just that spirit and togetherness within the squad. Um, Plymouth at home is is a huge game as well. Um, I, I personally think at home that is a, that's a winnable game, uh, and I'd, I would stick my neck out now without obviously knowing kind of like team news and player availability and all the rest of it. I would think that that's a team that we will beat at home um, yeah, yeah. just based off based off nothing other than the fact of, I think they're a worse side than they were last year.
2: Yeah. And they've kind of, they they were riding that crest of a wave, I suppose. And and I think that's kind of fell off somewhat. And they've you know, they've realized that yeah it's a lot tougher than what, what they first thought F- for me. I think I, I want to say that we can do it. I, I feel like these three worst teams in Sheffield Wednesday this season, you know, um, and and I feel like we we could start getting a little bit of momentum in terms of the fans. You know, I feel like it's that siege mentality at the moment as well in terms of you know everyone we're just on that cusp of of feeling like it's all done and finished and over. But we we was just seem to keep getting them wins and just giving us that little bit of hope every time. And you know, I think Saturday's game against Bristol City at home. I think like I said, it is again they're mid table there you know they're probably thinking they're not going to get playoffs they're not going to get relegated i know it's still a lot of football left but being realistic um but they'll also think they can can beat us but not going to put 110% effort in and, and i feel like yeah we can we can probably get us over the over the line and i think what everyone else has been saying is probably right let's see where we are after these next three games because we have got tough games coming up after that and if we've yeah. if we've got some points in the bank then you know who knows what's uh, what's going to happen in in that you know the in that final running. Um, I hope we can, I hope we can do it. Like obviously like everyone else, like everyone else. I've, yeah. I've not kind of resigned myself to thinking that we're going to get, get relegated at the moment. Although I'm I'm very, very close at times, you know, 4-0 Uddersfield. <laughs> I was nearly there. Like I was very, <laughs> very nearly in that place. Um, Yeah. I mean, the Millwall fans, they did turn, didn't they? yesterday
3: yeah Re- like yeah
2: 100% you was there I was watching it you know Rob Staten, um commented a few times on them and, and you could audibly hear the boos ring out and I was thinking Jesus like you know especially when that second goal went in it didn't sound like a fantastic place to be as a Millwall fan I, I have to admit
3: no I think that is the epitome of a a ground where if you are the home team and it's going well for you, I can't think of many more places that you'd want to play football as a professional footballer because if that is a relatively full ground and they are right behind you and not only the fans are right behind you, you also know that they are going right after an away team and away fans who are there. It must fill you and breed absolute confidence amongst them. And that was obviously proven past couple of years when they've been on a good run under people like Rowett and been either safely in mid-table or sort of challenging kind of flirting with the playoffs um, it must be a really nice place I think and the ground does was, that yeah.
2: it's very intimidating that like because yeah. it's two tiers but not very deep yeah. Like, it feels like the fans are like right on top of the pitch if you know what I mean so I can imagine yeah if it if it is going right that it can be a very intimidating
3: place It was the exact opposite of that yesterday, both from from an away fan's perspective and also from, I would assume, from a player's perspective. Um, There was not much... The first 20 minutes, I think, was very, very cagey up until, obviously, we scored. Millwall fans made, I would argue, a token gesture for about five to ten minutes of trying to get one or two little bits and pieces started. And then you could hear, similar to what we've heard at Hillsborough over the course of this season at different times, you could hear those moans and groans when there's a misplaced pass goes here or something doesn't quite go right there or somebody runs it out of play or they don't get a decision. And you could you could almost feel it being on that knife edge, which, again, just from how poor a run that they've been on. I mean, they are in absolute free fall at the minute, Millwall. Um, And it was, you know, from a fans' perspective, from a Chef Wednesday perspective, it was brilliant to see that be capitalised on in the space of that first half.
2: Yeah, I mean, Millwall, like us, I think they when they go a goal down, I mean, we've, I don't want to say turned a corner because we've only won one and drawn two, I think it is. Um, (laughs) They've only drawn three games when when they've gone behind. So they've come back three times. They've not come back to win. So when I was talking to the, the Millwall lad before the game, you know, on the preview show, he was saying the first goal is crucial. The second goal is probably even more crucial than, than the first. because He's, he's like, if, if you go 2 nil up, that is it. We are not coming back from two goals down. We don't even come back from one goal down, but to come back from two is like pretty much game over. And he he was saying like, you know, if we can get back to 1-1, if we do, you know, if we do score first, then it could be game on. And, you know, something we've not, not seen very much before, but you know, we, uh, we obviously got those, uh, those vital two goals. Um, Let's talk about the, the the first half then. Um, I I thought, you know, up until the point of the goal, you've kind of touched on it a, a little bit. I thought it was two sides that kind of lacked real quality. It looked a game for me, you know, obviously, I wasn't there, but it looked like the game were being played at 110 miles an hour at times, and neither side could really get a, a stranglehold of the game. I think up until the goal, um, I mean, that was our first chance on target, and I think Millwall had only had, I want to say, one or maybe two oh. at, at that point, And we were, you know, first goal came half an hour into the game. It, it, what did it feel like being there? Was it one of those where you're thinking, Christ, like it could, it felt like it could, could go either way? Really quickly,
3: kg is exactly how it felt. Um, really, really kg. And again, that might just be from my perspective and nervous. It was two teams who were didn't particularly want to make too much of a mistake, so were not really throwing themselves going forward. weren't really overcommitting themselves, therefore leaving them sort of selves exposed at the back at all. I suppose their best couple of chances before obviously we scored with deliveries into the box Mm -hmm. um, from there was one free kick which missed everybody thankfully there was somebody who was blown up for offside that kind of went straight through and went out behind the post there was another one that was whipped in which I think Beadle palmed out aside from that I'll be honest it was a Ten players versus ten players, just running around trying to kick lumps out of one another and make sure that nothing, nothing dangerous happened. And tomorrow, a classic Steve Bracknell phase: when it goes, it goes. Yeah. Um, and hey. it was, it was, you know, any fifty-fifty challenge was two players who were not going to back out of it. Ball bobbles around; somebody puts it into a stand. Let's get back and sit and reset.
2: Yeah, you mentioned that I can't remember what it was in the first minute. Or so, put a crunching tackle on on Volks, and then I think he kind of. Followed that up five or 10 minutes later with a a big tackler of of his own. Um, On about tackles, I mean, their kid, he should be in the Six Nations with that rugby tackle on Johnson. Christ (laughs) almighty, I've not seen anything like it.
3: Well, that was that was really interesting because I thought that was one of the first times that we actually sort of broke out of a bit of shape and actually had a bit of a a, a run going forward. And it's a, to be credit to him, Marvin Johnson. It's a great bit of skill to turn the, turn back inside to kind of like chop rather than just going down the line. And yep, just but again, if if you're in that position, that's exactly what you want. And it's one of the things that I've been really critical of us over the course of this season. We've not had that sort of nasty for lack of a better word shit side of our game where actually i thought we were brilliant at that yesterday especially in the second half like slowing the game down taking those necessary fouls ashley fletcher aside we'll come to that obviously (laughs) um but taking you know taking those really necessary fouls and just slowing everything down And, and again when he cut inside johnson he did have options coming up alongside him and it was 100% the right decision from their player to absolutely just throw him to the floor. Doesn't matter what way he's going down, yeah. he's not getting past me.
2: I was about to say the same. like, I mean, he nearly got him round the neck. You'd have been sin yeah. on the rugby pitch yeah. for that. Do you know what I mean? Like
3: it's know, a blue card. That's what that is, is a blue card. <laughs>
2: We've had all that last week. We're not talking about <laughs> blue cards this week. But yeah, that was cynical and just, yeah. I just, I, I didn't, didn't understand what I was seeing at the time. I thought, you know, I, I, to be fair, I did think, it could be a know, because it, that was a bit reckless but I think yellow's yeah, probably probably the right George Honeyman it was that uh that made that rugby yeah. tackle um it's funny because Rob on the on the commentary said that um you, you often say oh that's like a rugby tackle that but not often does it actually look like a rugby tackle, rugby um, tackle. but this <laughs> this one uh this one was um yeah like I mean like you mentioned their their chance and then we score on, on 31 minutes, just a couple of minutes after that that rugby tackle incident. Um, mm. I mean, Masaba picks the ball up on the halfway line, nutmegs Leonard, um, and then he's off. Uh, two touches he takes from the halfway line to get into the box, which... I want to see him do that. You know, he's that quick yeah. that he doesn't need to take 55 touches to, to get to the edge of the box. He can just kick it a few times and run. Cause he, you know, he's, there's not many players that are going to catch up with, with Anthony Massaba. He gets to the edge of the box. And then it, I think if I'm sure you've watched it back, um, and you, you might've seen it at the time, but the movement from both perveda and Ugbo yeah. is absolutely fantastic. I, more sometimes I don't take much notice of the stuff that happens off the ball. You know, you just see the the goal scorer. Mm-hmm. But you know, we saw catamary for uh, Ugbo's first goal where Paveda pulled it back against Birmingham. Where you know it's the player off the ball that kind of makes that movement and drags the defenders with him, and that's exactly what Perveda did this time. He he darts that front post, and all the defenders have to shift across. One's got to go to the to Masaba because he's left his man for dead. Mm-hmm. And then someone's got to go to Perveda. P- and then that just leaves, I think it's actually the left wing back that's that's marking Ugbo. And he's the wrong side of him. He's not He's not goal side. And then that means that that ball can come across. And, and like we alluded to earlier when we talk about Ugbo, he's in that place where he needs to be to put the ball in the back of the net. He's not going to miss. He bundles the ball over <laughs> over the line and, and it's 1-0. And I'm sure it'll pandemonium in that uh, away end
3: yeah um I think yeah I think you've summed it up perfectly there i think the the little move from Masaba to almost like shape his shape his right wing back to, as if he's going outside to then drop into that little pocket of space just frees up that five yards for him, and he does something that i suppose I myself have been critical of him over the past couple of weeks. He actually squares his man up and then goes straight past him, which over the past couple of weeks, I've felt that when he has come on, he's looked less less likely to go round people than he did in the first couple of weeks with us, and especially at that kind of like form around Christmas where he was really dangerous. He actually squares his man up. I mean, it's a beautiful little nutmeg, and then he's off and flying. Um, yeah, I agree with you. The movement from Provider is absolutely brilliant. I think the, the little double move from Ugbo as well on the edge of the area, yeah. he also darts to go from post Cooper, I think it's Cooper who's their centre half, is kind of caught between two minds because he's got a man going there anyway, has to go there, creates that space. It's a fantastic ball in. I've been really critical in. I suppose, Tuesday night, particularly about deliveries into the box and just saying that we needed to put the ball in the box, but also recognising the fact that we just didn't have options on Tuesday night. There was two options in the box for the delivery today. The other thing Um, as well, they
2: were both busting a gut to get there, which I've not seen much this season. You know, it's a bit laboured and what have you, which maybe it is something they've been working on in that, you know, maybe before the ball is going to be chopped back to the edge of the box or something like that. Whereas if he's going there to the back post, that, that's where the ball's going. And people spoke about that relationship between Ugbo and, uh, and Masaba. I think they were a, a Belgium side um, yeah. a couple of years, you know, three or four years ago and they, you know, they, and they linked up quite well and Ugbo scored quite a few goals there. So maybe this is the start of this little, little relationship going. And I do agree with Masaba as well. I think, when you said about him, you know, taking his man on and things, he has been coming off the bench and let's remember this, this is half an hour into the game. He's not been getting half an hour in some instances. It has been, you know, 20 minutes or, or so. So maybe he's, he's one of those players that, that needs to kind of grow into the game and he needs to start. But I do agree. I think it was the right call because he has been, Um, he was, he was great at the start of the season. Uh, you know, he got, got a few goals. All right. I and mean, that's the start of the season. Start of the Danny Real era. Yeah, I mean, let's
3: call it the proper start of the season, not so rich. all the time.
2: Yeah, yeah, when we start actually playing a bit, a bit of football, um, <laughs> we, we, you know, it did it did quite well, and then he did drop off a little bit, but it felt like Gasama then filled that that void, yeah. um, and he you know he almost, I kind of talk about those two players as the one player. I feel like they are very very similar, yeah. um, and you know, you know, they, they, I do I do think they they complement each other quite well uh, it, but it just feels like when one drops off the other one can come in and replace him and, and I felt that Masaba did that uh, yesterday
3: yeah I'll be, I'll be honest up until that assist for that first goal I did think it was going to be a tough game for him because he was not from my perspective anyway he was not in the game at all anti-Masaba he was really struggling to get into it and it did look like a I can understand why he's been playing because we did. I I think we did surrender a lot of the ball to Millwall and say, okay, you try and beat us then and actually give them the opportunity. Whereas past couple of seasons, it's always felt with Millwall when it's another side who dictates possession, they do exactly that to you. They break on you, they get a delivery into the box and somebody taps it in and you come away scratching your head thinking, how have they won that? Whereas we seemed to do a little bit of that yesterday, but when we did have the ball, especially in that first half, second half was much more game management. But the first half, it was breaking as you say with real intent and actually trying to get players up and around. Because I think players recognised it, and I mean we definitely did in in, in sort of the stands and from a fans' perspective, it was going to be a game of fine margins yesterday. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, as it turned out, a two 0 win. You won't see many more comfortable two 0 wins away from home. Um, but it was it was a you know, when you have got that opportunity, you need to get in there and support and, and, and it was it was a great delivery, great finish, as you say. A uh, away and goes, you know, absolutely ballistic. You could see home fans getting very, very immediately turned. Um, and it was really noticeable. I mean, they were only 1-0 down to what second bottom in the league, and you could audibly hear boos You know, You could see people throwing their hands up and and getting really very, very frustrated, but particularly around sort of like where the two benches are behind their sort of like management team and their coaching staff, Um, and it was in the stands. It was definitely a – I mean, I turned around to to, to my dad who I go to games with, and I just said, these are gone here. If you can get another one in the next 10, 15 minutes, these will turn. Well, um, and, and, and yes, that, sorry, proof. <laughs> yeah, that exactly
2: happened, didn't it? We didn't have to wait long, uh, 10 minutes, I think it were, until we got that second goal. I mean, some excellent close pa- passing in our own half. I think it's uh, Bannon, Volks, uh, I think a couple of others are involved in that as well. And then Bannon kind of waits and waits and waits and then plays an excellent through ball. And, you know, Masaba, again, is gone. And for me, the thing that, that he's not showed a great deal of this season is that composure. And I I've, know I've mentioned him, but I, I keep saying speedboat, no driver about Masaba quite a lot of times that end product, even though he's, you know, he had four goals before today. Um, so he has got some sort of end product, but he do find it he, sometimes a little bit wasteful, which I yeah. accept we're in, you know, we're, we're at the bottom of the championship. We're not top of the Premier League. So he's, he's not that finished article, but again, you know, a couple of touches and then I think the goalkeeper could do a little bit better if I'm being perfectly honest. but I'm not taking any, anything away from Masaba because he's, he's got it on target. He's done what he needs to do. He's got the shot off and, uh, and it just nestles in that bottom corner. And I think I tweeted saying we're in dreamland because that's how it felt like, you know, it was. Yeah. You get one and then it wasn't immediately after, but, you know, just before half time, absolute sucker punch to be 2 nil up. And, and yeah, it, 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 bit, it was a bit like, wow, 2 nil up. Like this doesn't normally happen, especially away from home.
3: No, I think it was also really interesting from sort of like the conversations that people have been having over the course of the week and I suppose over the course of the season about this argument of goal kicks and playing it out from the back. The goal initially comes from our goal kick in terms of Beadle lays it out wide and it goes, I think it's to Liam Palmer and he doesn't see an option on, he doesn't see fit to go back, so he actually goes length of the pitch, but we have... A a, a two forwards, definitely Ugbo presses. I can't remember any of the other players. It might be Pervader, I might, I might be doing it a disservice there. Who? charge down your keeper forcing him to not be able to control the ball or pl- pass it out and lay it out and just kind of recycle possession he has to go along with it we then win the ball in the breakdown from Bernard who wins the header and then yeah as you say some fantastic interplay with that centre midfield little little triangles and we pop it about again that little outside to win run from Osama is brilliant I think the ball from Bannon I think we've all become a little bit desensitised to watching Barry Bannon play balls like that but I mean it is, it's a great run it's perfectly weighted it's yeah. exactly in to stride he has nothing other than to take a shot he can shoot he could square it he, the ball that is played to him again i know it's just a straight pass but it's a straight pass that is executed to absolute perfection yeah how many times um, do you see
2: them go straight through to the goalkeeper or get cut out by a defender he waited for the exact moment to pass it and yeah, like you said i think you're perfectly right that like we just I think we do take Barry Bannon for granted, myself included. I'll hold my hands up on that mm. one. He's played for us the, for, that, for that long that you just expect those things sometimes. And and when, oh, or should I say, you know, when that doesn't happen, you think, what he's crap him? But, you know, he, yes. he, he he comes up with the goods more often than not. And I think we do, we do need to just appreciate, you know, if you don't already, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that do 100% appreciate Barry Bannon. But those that don't, I think we need to just kind of, you know, be thankful that we have got Barry Bannon in in the ranks. Yeah,
3: yeah. I think any single Sheffield Wednesday fan now would rather have him in their side than not. And that tells you everything you need to know about the player is would you rather have him playing for you in this relegation scrap or would you rather have him playing against you? We don't have many players. So we've been screaming out for players all year or we haven't got anybody who can unlock a defence or who can play that one particular pass or anything like that that is exactly the type of moment that we've been crying out for in arguably our biggest game of the season so far our biggest game of the season so far an absolute must win away from home it's your captain your player who's been there for a number of years I don't want this to turn into a Barry bannon love him fest but <laughs> it's it's him who it's him who cuts a slide roll pass straight through job done yeah. It's you know, it's it's a simple it's as simple as that. And you go two nil up away from home outside a side who immediately it was really interesting, Booze ring out again, but you watch a lot of the home fans empty all clearly desperate to get down for a half time pie and a pint like before this um before this gets any worse. Because I was expecting a reaction um straight after that second goal went in. There was nothing. And it, it was looked very gone. much like there was yeah. They, they, yeah. They, they didn't know what date was.
2: You know, they were... I think I tweeted as well saying, half oh, time's coming up. I, I don't want it to be half time. I'm sure Millwall desperately did. And the players probably just wanted to get in and, and kind of regroup a little bit because they were at sixes and sevens. They were booze ringing out. They, you know, it didn't feel nice. And, and they just... They hid, I felt like, the, the, the Millwall players. And, and, you know, we... I think, you know, we, we took advantage of it, didn't we? You know, we got that, obviously got the second goal and everything. And um, and yeah, but yeah, half time probably did come at the at the wrong time. Uh, I mentioned about hiding. I think the uh, Millwall Twitter admin hid as well because their tweets went a little bit something like this. I think it said um, uh, goal for the visitors. And then it was Wednesday two up. And then the next one is a half time graphic. And the next one is a full time graphic. <laughs> nothing in the second <laughs> half. And that is their last tweet that they've they've posted. They've posted nothing since then. I don't know if that's a bit ominous. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe the Twitter guys got sacked, um, but I, I don't I don't know if about the you know, if the manager's going to get the chop as well, which would be kind of ironic because his first game in charge was against us, beating us four nil, and it might be that his last game in charge is against Sheffield Wednesday as well so uh, yeah we'll have to wait yeah. on that
3: one i mean that that little twitter sort of like thread there, sorry x thread there sums it up perfectly of their afternoon at millwall yesterday uh, and that's not me trying to do a disservice to him or we'll talk down to him. it was that was their afternoon in a nutshell kick off goal goal half time full time because i'm in mean, for a side who desperately need a result you know supposedly one of the most intimidating grounds in in, in sort of the English pyramid for for away fans and away teams not just that first half I thought it was huffed and puffed second half but they didn't really do anything either in, in the second half and it became a almost what you would say from an away perspective, a, a perfect away performance from, I mean, you couldn't have asked for more as, a, as an away side going in at time 2-0 up. You basically just have to say, I think what kind of Danny Roll will have done, which was keep it tight, Again, if the opportunities present themselves, these lot will come out the first fifteen minutes. I'm sure it'll be a lot more technical than what I'm, the, this bollocks that I'm spouting. But you know that that first fifteen minutes, you've got to weather that storm because they will. You know they will try and come at you yeah, and try and get a goal. But after that, we'll then start ringing a few changes and start you know protecting what we've got, which is sort of exactly how it turned out. Really, um, it's funny it, you, it, you, you, it,
2: you mentioned about you know I'm sure it's more technical than that. I don't know if you saw the 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 picture that Wednesday tweeted of the dressing room at Millwall, um, they played. I think they played hip switch didn't they? In in midweek, um, were they, were they, who, whatever, whatever, whoever, whoever played yeah. at, at the Den, yeah, the last four 0 yeah. So on the there's a whiteboard, and on the whiteboard it says, you can see it's been rubbed out, but you can quite visibly see it just says pass the ball, <laughs> and I mean like,
3: <laughs> do, do you know what I mean that is. Professional footballers, it? it. yeah, he past the Sunday ball. Find, it's that.
2: <laughs> I mean, it was. I think clinical was another word that was uh, that was on there. Um, I can't remember what the other words words were, but you could you could visibly see past the ball. And I'm thinking, Christ Almighty, like. Yeah, yeah it was, maybe Masaba and Kasama need to, um, <laughs> at yeah. times, perhaps uh, listen to that it sort did, of advice. It did
3: look, it really did look like it, it was a side note yesterday where their manager has told them to either go back to the principles of what he wants, I know we're big on speaking about Danny Rolls principles, and either the principles of what he wants, or what you would call basics Go back to basics. Win your personal battles. Make sure you don't do anything stupid, and give yourself an opportunity to still be in the game. You know, with half an hour to go. Because uh, you're right. I mean, they they lost four nil to Ipswich in midweek, and by all by all accounts, I mean I've seen bits and pieces from it. Ipswich didn't have to work particularly hard to score four against them. So I suppose that is the absolute minimum that you would be asking for from from a Millwall perspective. Is is doing those basics because I mean that side that I mean that side that started for them yesterday. You don't look at it with much kind of. I suppose as an, as an away fan, I didn't look at it and think, "Oh, he's going to be a handful today." Yeah. I looked across it and thought, "That is much of a muchness." If I even know half of the players, anyway.
2: Yeah, exactly. I, I felt the second half we just did what was needed. We weren't, you know, we weren't going to get the third goal. I think we knew that, you know, a, a two-goal lead and, and the way that they were, it was a, a, a manageable lead. And the thing is. Like I mean, look, it didn't feel this way in the second half, certainly watching it. I wasn't cool, calm and collected. I was an absolute nervous wreck. And, you know, I, I think any, even if we were 4 nil up, Dumaru didn't matter I we still against, yeah, yeah. uh, I'd still not be, you know, until that final whistle goes, I'm still not super confident. You know, ever since Stoke on Boxing Day, where we were 1-0 up, we went into the 90th yeah, minute. I've I, you know I have nightmares about that game. One even of the worst,
3: to, one of the worst away days I've ever been to. That yeah, was horrible.
2: <laughs> that was you know, even. I still think like you know it is a bit is a bit cagey. Two goal league, you know. I mean, once he gets to ninety minutes, I think all right, we maybe we maybe we're just mm. there. But you know, it was. It, I just felt like we just did what was needed. And you mentioned earlier about being like the we're not that nasty team or that kind of time waste and stuff. But the game management I felt in the second half were just
1: to a t so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
0: Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
3: Comes from your team selection. You know, the team that started, I think we kind of set the tone for that type of thing in the first half. One of the things that really irritated me, uh, Boxing Day, away at Coventry, um, was Callum Patterson obviously went down injured, concussed, not out. We brought him off the pitch with no ready replacement and decided to play the next five minutes without a player. Lo and behold, inside that first five minutes, ball goes down the side where Callum Patterson's supposed to be, player out of position in the centre of the park, and they score. Yesterday, there was absolutely none of that. And this comes down to players like your Will Volks, your Michael Ahequa, your Liam Palmer, your Marvin Johnson, your Barry Bannon, basically just calming everybody down mm. and just saying, oh, no, 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 If you're, if you're not right, stay down even yeah. if you don't bring a trainer on stay down for a minute and a half just on that perveda he goes down
2: he's holding his hammer. like i thought he were done that, that yeah. is the that is the, the the best hamstring recovery i have ever seen by a player <laughs> in my entire life because you, you see it and he, he kind of i think it's a bit of an innocuous challenge. I don't, I don't think it is really a challenge or it might be, it kind of carries on and he, then he's on the floor and he's holding his hamstring. And when, when a player does that, you know, you know, mm. if he's old, if he's old, the ankle, you think, all right, he's been kicked or something like that. But when they're holding a, you know, the hamstring or something, you think, oh Christ, that is, he's done. And I thought, oh, I think mm. it was nil-nil at this point as well. And then he gets up and, you know, wo- wo- walks over and gives, Dan, gives Danny real a bit of a hug. He's back on again. At that point, I'm thinking, mate, if you if you've got felt a twinge in your hamstring, like you know, like we were talking about earlier with Kademartry and things, it, this is we need him because I think he's a fantastic player. And I was like, just get off, like get subbed off, bring someone else in, you know, and we'll, we'll we'll regroup on you know on Saturday against Bristol City and hopefully you're all right. But yeah, he, he fin- finished the game and you know, influential in that first goal as well. So I've no it, idea what it, happened there.
3: He's not only technically a really good footballer, I think he has also got that kind of little bit of a nasty side to him, which is really uh, brilliant to see. We don't get, we don't really get many of those type of players historically, anyway. Down at Wednesday, it doesn't feel like, um, and I know there's been a lot of Forresty airy comparisons and mm. uh, to him, and I, I, I wouldn't start talking about that yet because we've seen a handful of games from him. But he feels a similar type of player, not just in terms of like he, he can beat a player and he can pick an eye for a pass and all the rest of it. And there's it, it a bit of like it gets you off your seat. There was also a little element with Forestieri that was a little bit nasty. Yeah, that um, was really nice to see. I think he chucked up on his Instagram yesterday, Bavida. Him just sat on sort of like the <laughs> him just sat on the wall, and there's like a there's a couple of fans behind who are losing their marbles yeah. about it. And I'm just thinking it, uh, the, the caption of it is something like it's easy to tame lions or something like that. Yeah. And I'm thinking. Like, I know this is really petty, but that type of shit does mean a lot to fans. And it does kind of like get you roped in and you do think, oh, I quite like that. Yeah, it's one of them um, where,
2: you know, you love it when it's, you know, your player. But if, you know, if that was the other way around and Millwall had, had said something about, oh, you think you bastard, do you know what I mean? Like you, you hate yeah. it, don't you? So it does get under your skin a little bit. And I think yeah. you're right. He has got that bit of nastiness in him. And I think sometimes you need a balance, don't you, in the squad. You can't have 11 like that because it doesn't it don't quite yeah, work you know but
3: it yeah, ain't gonna work
2: but he has got that bit of flamboyance as well I find that he can you know there were there were times uh, you know I heart back to the Birmingham game where you know he, he was kind of almost running the show at times and you know had some of their defenders on toast you know in terms of you know you know the, the little bits of skill that he were doing and, and things like that and we saw that again yesterday so yeah but but yeah I'm glad that his his hamstring is he's all right and Alex, I have no idea what it was. Yeah, then.
3: he seems to he seemed to, he to to come off with, I, I don't know, he seemed to pull up with what looked like cramp just before mm-hmm. he come off because he come off in the same incident that um, Bannon got crocked in as well, which was that sort of like a, a bouncing loose ball 50-50 challenge. Both of them fly into it. Bannon gets a knock to his knee and he pulls up just before. It was as we were breaking in terms of like a changeover of the ball. He picks the ball up and everybody's screaming, go on. And then Michael Smith runs past him which is a red flag to begin with (laughs) because if he's beating you for base you've got a problem and he he takes the ball off him but actually there's a there's a zoomed in photo on there there's like a a zoomed in clip on the highlights um that wednesday posted just just before we recorded this where you can see him visibly pull up and grab at his hamstring and it just looks like cramp it doesn't look anything Mm -hmm. more than that but you're right if he's if he has kind of like got that side to him where he will take a minute minute and a half off a clock and he will go down perhaps and just kind of like reset everything and get everything a bit more quiet that is a really nice balance to have um even with even with a flare player because it, again it's just rare that you don't you don't really see that type of thing with them
2: yeah i mean millwall had uh, had one chance in the second half um bernard blocked it off the line and and i felt like I know I mentioned that it, you know it's not we're not home and hosed and and until that that final whistle for me, but the, that point where you're thinking they're not going to score here, like you know, anything that they try is they're not going to get a goal. Um, and you know when when Bernard cleared that one off the line, I, f- I felt exactly like that. And you know they had a, they had a chance later on with uh, with Diaby as well, didn't they?
3: Yeah, I think the one the the first one which is Bernard clears it off the line, I think he does really I think it's what Moore does really well actually to cut inside and get a shot off for me chooses the wrong option because it's almost a carbon copy of what we scored from in the first half where if he just takes that extra touch and whips it across the edge of the area he's got centre-halves all running back on their own goal and there's actually a lad who is free in the middle I think it might be Bradshaw who's free in the middle for a tap-in if the ball's good and he cuts back inside and actually gives defenders that opportunity to get back on the line hey, it's a great it's a great clearance off the line because I don't think Beadle's getting there um, I think he's just out of his reach there's another one which I think a heck Equa throws himself in the way of, which is a, a one or two of the nice little interchanges of play that Millwall did put together. I think it's Romain Essay who zips it through. There's a little ball down the channel. Equa gets in, blocks it straight over. That last one that you've just mentioned where they get in where <laughs> Marvin Johnson seems to run into the back of Deshaun Bernard and he falls over and then they're cleaning down the right ball across the box, out of reach of Diaby. The lad who came on for them, for me, you were, again, you'd be absolutely... Livid as a Millwall fan because he doesn't throw himself at the ball, he just sort of jogs past it, it goes out. And then you are thinking, well, I think that was around the 86th minute or something, you are starting to think that might be Omen hosed here mm. um, because they really, they're, uh, difficult to say this, and I don't want to be disrespectful to them. They really didn't offer much in that second half, for considering that they, that was a game that surely you must be looking at as a home fan, thinking we need to win this they didn't really offer anything. Um, And I think, you know, that's not taking anything away from us. I think it was, it was a complete away performance from us. It was really well managed, but they were, they were a poor side yesterday.
2: For me as well, a lot of fans you see on, on, especially on next saying, ah, we don't turn up for the big games though, you know, uh, and things, which to be fair, you know, when you're 23rd in the league, like there's there's a lot of games that we have not turned up for, to be be honest, if you want to, if you want to say that. Um, But, you look at it, Birmingham, we've turned up, beat them 2-0. Millwall, another six-pointer, again, we've turned up, beat them 2-0. Leicester, we all know it's going to be tough. Fair enough. That was just a blip. But you, you, we mentioned this season quite a lot. You know, I've mentioned quite a few times, you know, you don't, Especially like the Southampton game, the season's not defined yeah. by Southampton away. It's also not defined by Leicester away as much as the games come in a quite a pivotal time and and everything. But you know, everyone expected a, def- a defeat there. We, we've gone again, got some games coming up which they need to turn up for, and I'm just glad that we've been picking up a few points. So we're going into them games and they're not as they're still massive games, but there's not as much pressure in terms of like, oh my God, we're five games, six games without a win. Where's the next win gonna come from? You know what I mean? You're gonna look back last week and we've won, you know what I mean, in terms of we yeah. played Millwall and we've and we've won. Um one other thing happened in this game, which I don't know about you, but I'm one of them that I often look on flash scores or insert your score provider here uh, whichever one it may be but I'm one of them that you know I look at some games I click on a few win. I always kind of picture in my mind like what's happened and this is one of them games where you look and you go red card so you, you always I always click on the you know team that's won that's got a red card I always it draws me attention so you'd be clicking on this one and you look and you go red card 91st wait a minute yellow yellow in the 91st another yellow in the 91st Wait a minute! It came on ten minutes before as well. What the fuck's happened here? Like, you know, what I mean, it's one of them that you would be like thinking, "I've got to find these highlights for this game and see exactly what happened to, you know, to why he got that, why you got that uh, that second yellow." But yeah, Christ I know, Almighty! I
3: know a lot. Of, yeah, I, I know. There's been a lot of defence of Ashley Fletcher, and he's very try hard and all the rest of it. And this isn't a knock on him personally, but as a footballer. <sighs> I, let's I call a spade a spade. He's a striker who's played, what, over 20 games for us? Yeah. Not scored. And yesterday was his Sheffield Wednesday career summed up in a nutshell. <laughs> Do you know what? Come on. I,
2: I've seen someone post that meme, The Simpsons one, you know, where grandad oh, walked <laughs>
0: That is it's
2: that is funny, him. Bro. I mean, there's early baths and then there's you know, I mean he's not he'd not even worked up a sweat and he's he's thinking I'm I'm done. I'm gonna I'm oh. gonna get on that coach
3: first. Honest to God, James, he come on. He was looked like he'd been told to either go up into a front two or sort of work in a wider area to Smith and kind of like run the channels. Which fair enough. I'd rather have him doing that than Michael Smith ball goes out for a throw in now this is where i will give him a bit of a pass is there is a ball on a cone next to where the ball goes out for the lad from Millmore. who runs over sprints over and picks it up he boots the ball that he's just kicked out down the touchline he gets a yellow get card for so that i will give him a bit of, i will give him a bit of a pass for because it does seem a bit of a okay you could argue he's just getting rid of the ball he's still fucking stupid but you could argue he's still getting rid of the ball the second one is absolutely fucking criminal absolutely criminal when you've just been booked not what a minute a minute and 10 seconds whatever it was to the the loose pass is the breakdown comes ball comes to him all you need to do and all anybody was screaming at him to do is just you keep running to the corner you keep running to the byline you just wait for a clip go down completely relieve the pressure the worst bit about that pass is he even appeared to look before he played the ball
2: it's like, what team was it now that, that, that passed to the uh, the steward? Was it was it Man City? Right? Oh, it's uh, almost like it that.
3: A, yeah, it was a Peterborough, that.
2: Was it? Was it? Yeah. And, and, and it was almost like that. He looked up and then just, there you go, have it, and passed it straight to him.
3: Like, what are you doing? It's, yeah. It's he, he loses the ball and then... He, do you know what? If he'd have gone in and absolutely snapped the kid in half and got off for a second yellow, I'd have walked away and gone, Okay, you've clearly lost your head that you've just given the ball away in a really important one. It's pathetic. He chases after him, like doesn't him try and get doesn't try and get in front of him, doesn't try and shoulder barge him off the ball, does sort of some absolute criminal sort of stands on the back of his Achilles or the back of his boot, goes down and immediately knows what's happening because he turns around and starts walking to the touchline. It is I, I, I mean, I'm not saying oh, he should never play for us again because I don't think it's because he doesn't care or anything like that, or he's not tried for us. I don't think he should play for us again for the simple fact of he's quite simply not good enough. Yeah. He's fine to bring on for five minutes at the end of a game. Well, he's, clearly not. To... he's clearly
2: not. It's clearly not because he gets his sense yeah. sent
3: off. Correct. He's <laughs> you know, just... I
2: think you're right, though. I think quite a lot of us gave him the benefit of the doubt. We're just, mm. you know, things changed when he came on. I think that's now more down to the fact that the time that it came on in most games, you know, things do actually change in those scenarios. Uh, and, and most games were kind of in the balance at that point. But yeah, he, you know, he has had a few chances. He, he should have, his tally should be at least three by now. Um yeah. And if it was three, it, it, you could argue that he would probably get more opportunities and, and potentially score more goals than that. But the fact of the matter is that, you know, EK Ugbo's played what five or six games, scored three goals, um, playing in the exact same position as him, and arguably not as many uh, opportunities. All right, he started a few, you know, a few more games, but he's taken that opportunity and shown, you know, shown what you can do when you when you get given a chance. And and Fletcher, I know he's come, you know, he's come off the bench for most of those games that he's played, but but yeah, the fact that you know a player comes in and and already. Starts ahead of you you know and he's now scoring just shows where where Fletcher really is in in that pecking order
3: yeah, nicely. No, it's in really the world. I mean, if you are sat in his position, you cannot argue that you've not had your opportunities, that you've not had your chances to score. Yeah, I think in some of them, he's been unlucky. Um, I, I think he probably should have scored. The fact of the matter is, he hasn't. We've been saying all season, up until uh, what we've had EK Ogbo coming, Archery for a little spell as well. We've been saying one of our biggest issues this year is keeping the ball out the net and scoring goals. His sole job for us is to score goals. I know we will have other instructions, but ultimately, as a striker, you are, and rightfully so, should be judged on your goals. He has simply not done enough for us, for the club. I'm sure, you know, outside of it, I'm sure he trains well. I'm sure he does listen and carry out instructions for role. But when those chances fall, I do not want them falling to him. I would much rather fall to and any number of other players before it drops to him because I just have zero confidence in him to be able to put them away. And that yesterday was stupidity of the highest order because ultimately if they go from that free kick and score with, what, three, four minutes left to go, they are chucking everything there at you and you are then defending and fighting for your lives. Now, I mean, on the way the game went yesterday, that was never going to happen the point yeah. is in a relegation battle those are the fine little moments that cost you teams we got away with it yesterday we might not have got away with it on another day
2: yeah exactly and, and i i agree on that one you know in in the in the whole game it doesn't really matter because you know it's happened late on but that could have happened you know 10 minutes before we might have been one nil up you could argue that you don't do it if we are one nil up and and everything else but um but yeah it's just just stupid really i'm going to test your knowledge here. We have actually got the most um most red cards of any team this season four, four red cards we've we've had I think the next highest is two um i think we're also at the top for most penalties that we've given away as well um. And also, Are
3: bottom the ones that we've received.
2: Yep, zero. <laughs> and um, I, I, don't, I think us and Rotherham have have not had a penalty, but and we've given away six. I think it is, which is. And um, in, in comparison, Leicester have had eleven, or they they certainly had before we played them. I and I don't know if they got a, a penalty at the weekend or not. Um, go on, then. Can you name all four? Obviously, we've got one as a given, which is uh, which is Fletcher. Ashley
3: Fletcher. I want to say George Byers pressed them. Yep. Next next one is hundred percent a shot in the dark, it's more just because of how much of a car crash it can be. Bambo DRB?
2: Yep. Can you remember what game it was? Not a clue. Coventry. Right at the Our end.
3: Oh way. Right, Neil, I'd got I'd I'll be honest, I'd left. I'd <laughs> left. The second one went in, I was gone. Um And the other one. Is it?
2: It's away from home, I'll give you that. It's not Volk's, is it? Um, People are going to be screaming at the radio at this point. Shot, yeah, shot, shot in the shot in the dark, Barry Bannon. He was, yeah, Barry Bannon. <laughs> hey, come on, Barry Bannon, Bristol City. Remember when he took him down oh, uh, 13, on, the, on the edge of the box? Yeah. Um. Yeah. We lost that game one 0 didn't we? And I felt like yeah. we could have won won that game with, with eleven men as uh, well. Even, even we te-
3: well, there's another we were just speaking about it, and There's another prime Ashley Fletcher missed last minute of the yep. game.
2: Yep. Under hundred percent. So yeah, we've had four red cards, Bannon, Bambo, Byers, and Fletcher all the way from home as well. So uh Jeez. Mad. Um right, <laughs> let's uh let me read some of these three-word match reviews out, uh, and I want to talk about Paul Valentin as well, because we haven't talked about him in the pod, and I felt like it a, he had a great game. Uh, Paul Pashley said, it's game on. Uh, Matt Glossop, it's still possible. with a little uh, um, little gif on there as well. Uh, Gareth Niblett, late Hull winner. Yeah, we're well, like, fucking hell, Huddersfield have equalized in the 90th minute, you jammy bastards. And then hold. i check again and think, hell <laughs> Hull have won. Now has that happened? Yeah, they've conceded in the 96th minute. That was good. Uh, Andy Hope in sight. Uh, Neil Dunn said clinical at last. Yeah, we didn't have many chances on target, but we certainly scored. Um, Neil Davy, massive three points. Matt said professional away perfection. Um, Hong Kong Owls said to the playoffs. Incidentally, Leeds won. We can't now get automatic promotion, so we will have to settle for for playoffs this season, um, unfortunately. So it might be another trip to Wembley um, <laughs> come the end of it. Kelly said what was needed. Yeah, I agree with that one. Stephen Smith, the great escape. It is on the great escape. Um, Carl Snee, the Lions tamed. Daniel Hancock, we've already mentioned it. Quality game management uh, Richard Chadwick just put next three games, yep, agree, they are vital next three games. I'll read one more out. George Elliott, he's gone with squeaky bum time. Um I don't think we're quite there yet. I think if there's three games left and you know it is hanging in the balance then then maybe. Um but I'm 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 one of those where I'm still going into games now with like well <laughs> that, that see, I want to about say zero expectation. Um, although I feel like that expectation is probably lifted a little bit, given the you know, given the win. I was I was very much like that in, in the Birmingham game. I was like, I really, you know, we could get beat today. The fact that we beat them, and then the fact that we beat Millwall, I feel like that expectation has props come back a little bit.
3: Yeah, I think it's one of those where I'm not getting supremely nervous before games just yet, but whilst I'm at a game, I do feel like I'm having a bit of a heart attack. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I agree. Right, but before we talk about Bristol City, then that's coming up on Saturday. I don't even. We've already talked a bit about Masaba and uh, and Perveda. I wanted to talk a little bit about Paul Valentin because one of those players that kind of gone under the radar a little bit. I think. He's not quite been firing on on all cylinders this season. I think he's certainly got got pace to burn, which I think is why he starts. To be to be honest, I think that's the only reason why he starts because some of his defending's are a little bit abject at times. But I, I felt like. I felt yesterday was probably his best performance. That, you know, I'm about seeing a blue and white shirt, it's not as it is that off white shirt that we've yeah. finally won in, by the way. Like, you know, <laughs> we, we haven't worn it many times, but we have finally won a game, even if it has got that hideous white, ironed on <sighs> square on it. Um,
3: but yeah. That logo's fucking disgusting, isn't it? That logo is horrible.
2: <laughs> you you, the, you know what? The, there's technology out there that means you can cut out the letters and, and just have it as like a. Just cost money. <laughs> well, yeah, true. You could make it a lot better than what it what it looks like, uh, is me is my answer. But yeah, Paul Valentin, I think it was best performance for Sheffield Wednesday today. I felt like he got forward um a lot. I felt like he carried the ball as well, which you know sometimes you're like just wishing him to you know just go on use your pace a little bit and I, I felt like in some games he's just been trying to get his pass completion percentage up he must be on some sort of bonus or something because he's you know he goes for the easy pass every time which all right granted keep the ball you know don't take risks i get i get that but i do feel like when you've got an asset in terms of your pace use it sometimes but i felt he did that and i mean there were a few occasions where he where he got forward but what what's your kind of assessment being on on paul Valentin?
3: Yeah, I think he's grown into his role and responsibility um, at us. I think, admittedly, a very slow start for him. Um, Again, you can't judge anything really off the previous manager who was here and and any of the players who were there, and it was a completely fresh slate. I think when he come on, the the game that he started against Middlesbrough um, was a real insight into what he can offer because that, that night going forward, it was like, hang on, we've got somebody who's got genuine pace and likes going past people. What's happened here? Yeah. Um, and then we've seen up and down performances from him. Um, you do see him get beat defensively um, more that more than I would like. But I would suggest that's probably also two things. One. The position that we are in as a football club and the position that we are in as a team. And secondly, he has, you know, very openly talked when he's given interviews about the differences and how difficult it has been to adapt to English football coming from where he has played his football previously. Um, I think. Going forward, he's a real asset for us. I think defensively, there are still moments where he's found wanting. I think a back five helps um, that what? cover.
2: I was going to say exactly the same. He had he had uh, Palmer behind him, didn't he? Which yeah, if you know you've got someone behind you, which it does make it easier, doesn't it, to to commit yourself going 100%. forward because you're not going to get back. And but he has got that pace that he can help, and maybe. Maybe the fact that because he has been kind of the—I I don't want to say last line of defense—but he is just the, he has been yeah. the right back. If he if he makes a tackle or or whatever, I don't know. If, I think he gets caught in a bit of two minds, and and then yeah, you're right. He does get beat quite often. I think not doing you know I don't want to disrespect him or anything, but I think he'd be fantastic in League One because he's not coming yeah. up against. Um, a winger that's as good, and I think he'll probably be able to to deal with it in you know defensively. But I think Danny Real is quite happy to what he gives up in you know at the back, he he, he takes in what he's got going forward in terms of that pace. And and it is football is a game of chess now. And if you look and you know, he's only going to beat you once, that you're going to think if if you're you know his opposite number, you're going to go well. I can't leave him, you know. I can't get too touch tight to him because if he turns and he's gone. Then he's, you know you're going to leave your show So he's one of them where I think in the first ten or fifteen minutes he's got to do that at least once in the game yeah. to you know to, to kind of give them something to think about and you know he can grow into it. But I, I was certainly impressed with him. I, I, a bit like you, I've not really been impressed with him much all season. But I, you know that's you know maybe because of that is why he stood out a little bit for me yesterday
3: yeah and I, th- I think also over the course of the season it- it's really similar to when we all of a sudden discovered midway through last season that reese james and marvin johnson could play on the same side <laughs> together and this a yeah. connection there it might be the case of actually if you play him in that right wing back position and you do put palmer as the right side of that back three back three because he is more accustomedly and palmer naturally to you know he's played everywhere for us it- he will look at it and go well actually you know i've played a lot of my trade for wednesday as a right back i'm happy to sit and cover him and it does allow him that freedom to Go forward to, to try and knit. There was an incident in the first half, I think it was, where the ball gets played across. I think it's an outside of the ball boot from Perveda, and it's sort of bobbling, and he is, you know, 30-40 yards out from goal, and he flicks the ball up over their defender, and he's off and away from him. Good delivery into the box. Ugbo, I think, ball rolls through him, and you can see how visibly frustrated he is. Um that is what he does give you. Um, I think one of the things that I've been most impressed with him is how how much he you always get the opinion when he comes off the pitch. Even if you think, oh, he's had an abs- he's been run run rings around today, he comes off the pitch and you know that he has left everything out there. And I know that that is a very a minimum sort of expectation that you should be expecting from a professional footballer. But we've all seen plenty who don't. Um, yeah. And I think that is one thing that we, as definitely as Sheffield Wednesday fans, we really do appreciate when a player is you know you can see a player that is limited in terms of what they offer defensively because i think technically he's a brilliant footballer um but i think defensively he does get caught um but i think whenever he leaves the pitch you don't ever leave thinking he, he do not care he doesn't want to be here you do look at it and think he, he, he's clearly giving absolutely everything that he can he's just come up against somebody who's either better than him today or has had the beating of him um yesterday was again outstanding I think in times yesterday Um, I thought he played well uh, and I think that was his his best performance in a Wednesday shirt yesterday for sure
2: Must be tough for him as well because obviously he came to Wednesday because of Cisco you know I think he I'm right in saying you haven't managed him or played with him I want to say I think he managed him uh, I think he played with Delgado but It was Delgado um, <laughs> wasn't it <laughs> Yeah
3: Where
2: the fuck is he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah who is he? Where's Wally? Um, but yeah we, we've, we've uh, with Paul Valentin He's come because of him, you know. He, he knows him can probably that. That's like someone who we can relate with. He's gone. He's in a different country. Do you know what I mean? does not speak the language as as well as he perhaps uh, perhaps wants to. Although he's been, you know, he has been learning and everything. And and yeah, he's just had to knuckle down. And yeah, like I said, it must be must be tough. Put myself in them them sort of shoes. I mean, if you if you go over to Spain and you've got an English manager, thinking, oh, at least I can talk to him if I'm struggling. And then all of a sudden they're all, you know, speak, you know, they're all speaking Spanish. I'd be, I would be struggling massively just yeah. on, um, I was going mention this earlier, but when you look at the style of the, the, the passages of play that we've been doing and a lot looks like it's very much come off the training ground. I don't know about you, but I'm just kicking myself in that. I'm thinking Danny Roel, if he'd have been given a preseason, where could this team be? And now I know, obviously, the players that we've got now would probably be different. We wouldn't have your Masabas and your Gasamas. You know, Danny Real could have brought in totally different players. But you just look and, and think, the way that they're playing, I feel like some of these things, obviously, they've been working on in training are now starting to come off. Not necessarily just the the, the passages of play, but where players need to be and, and that kind of in and out of possession, being in different shapes. I think there's been games under Danny Real where it's it's felt like they someone's just been in the wrong position or not been where they should be and then there's been a gap that's been exploited and then and then we you know it looks like it's a, just a, a mistake that we've made but you know we might have just been out of position whereas i just feel like if we'd have had a pre-season and worked on this stuff in those 6 weeks we could have been well we wouldn't be in this in this situation put it that way
3: no, I I would agree with you. I don't think we would have gone absolutely storming up like our illustrious chairman thinks, and we should have been aiming for automatics and playoffs and all the rest of it. And I I know this is without looking at. I'm trying to look at it without too much of a rose, you know, like a blue and white tinted spectacle sort of looking yeah. at it. Um, I, I think we would be roughly around where Plymouth are now. Um yeah. out, out, out of it and eight points clear of a drop um yeah. just because of the fact of there were uh, okay we all spoke about it right at the start of the season that it was a really difficult start in terms of a run of fixtures and we were all looking at it i think it was going game six or seven against huddersfield and we were all sat there going that might be our first win as it turned <laughs> out we went straight screaming past that and carried on um But I would have looked at it and I'd have thought, no, we would have taken a handful more points from where we are now. And even if it was just a handful more points, you know, two wins, a draw or something like that from it, we are sitting comfortably outside the relegation zone.
2: Yeah, exactly.
3: Um, And and, and it is, you know, longer, as you say, longer, different players to come in. I, I don't think we'd have been sadly watching Juan Delgado for the first six games of his his Sheffield Wednesday career, which, to be fair, I don't want to do him too much of a disservice because he was clearly playing out of position. And for the first game, I thought he, he looked brilliant against um,
2: yeah, Southampton. Southampton yeah.
3: And then he looked, he looked all right at Hull when he scored. And then all of a sudden, it all just went absolutely left for him and just completely the opposite. Um, but yeah, I do I do think we'd have played a very different style and a very different system. And I do think we'd have at least been coming away from what was it those first 10 12 games going do you know what we've actually had a go um which is yeah. i know there was a lot of criticism about leicester the other night specifically the first half less so the second but definitely at southampton um i would much rather see us go to teams and actually have a plan whether that be sitting back and countering or whether it be you know going all out and yes you get naive and broke upon. Yeah, that's going to happen to us in this league because we are what we were doing two teams in League One last year. That is the level that we are at if you look at our squad compared to others within the division. That is going to happen to you. I know that sounds horrendous to think it's only the championship but that does happen at this level, especially with the quality the two teams are at the top. So yeah, it, ifs and whats, but yeah, I would, I would have thought we'd have been around mid-table.
2: Yeah, I have to agree, to be fair. Right, let, let's talk about the next game that's coming up then briefly before we finish and uh, and record extra time. Bristol City on Saturday, <clears throat> um, Liam Manning's their manager, uh, formerly of MK Don, well, we'll know him from MK Don's, caught two seasons ago. He's since been at Oxford as well. Uh, they're currently sat 12th in the league, uh, seven points off the playoffs, 12 points off relegation, very much in that mid-table, um, they're kind of as mid-table as you could possibly get at this stage of the season. The form's not great. I mean, they have had two wins in the last three, but you know, no win in the previous six games before that. The, the wins came against Borough and Southampton, of all teams. Um, <laughs> I think beat Southampton... And then lose to QPR, which is the, the most—it's the most Wednesday mid-tangle. thing. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's something that we would do. With that to be fair, yeah. um, one win in the last four away from home. They have only had two wins away from home since early October, as well. And obviously, they're coming to Hillsborough on Sat Saturday. Um, yeah, what do you, what, how do you feel Saturday's gonna gonna pan out? I, 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 for me, I feel like we've got to go in that get into that game and take the confidence from from last Saturday. And the other thing, with his no midweek game, we have got a full week yep. of whatever the fuck Danny Real wants to do between now and, uh, and Saturday. Yep.
3: I'm more confident that it's at home than I would have been if it was away from home. Uh, and I know I'm saying that off the back of, a, of our best away performance of the season, arguably. Um, they are, as you say, they're not great away from home. Um, and they are again another side of you have no idea of what kind of Bristol City is ever going to turn up you know you, you go and beat Southampton at, admittedly at home but you go and beat Southampton who I don't think anybody other than I saw one bloke could put it on as a bet before the game that they were going to win 2-0 against them and they were going to end that run um, nobody would have thought that and then as you say they then go and lose to QPR following game they are a real mixed bag um, I think in Bristol
2: are the new Stoke City yeah. <laughs> like, I felt like Stoke was always the team that's just mid table championship and never anything else. Whereas yeah. I'm, I'm just looking now, uh, they've been in the champ since 2015 16 and they've finished um where where's their finishing position 18th 17th 11th 8th 12th 19th 17th 14th is their last last run uh, and actually yeah. to be fair they've only spent spent two seasons outside of the champ going back right to 2007 and 8 so yeah probably and and then 4th 10th 10th, uh, and then 20th but yeah they do very much feel that team that's just always in the championship always yeah. mid table never anything else.
3: I have a bit of a push at playoffs every now and again at the start of a season and then gradually fades away and it never ends up being anything. Um, I think I might be wrong. I think the week after that they play us, they've got Cardiff. Right, okay. Which for them is a really big game so all of my ashton gate as well yeah yeah which is for them a really big game that that's uh, i mean i can't believe it's a derby but for them it is a huge game and it is one of their biggest games of the season now whether that plays into our hands or not because they are playing for absolutely nothing bristol city is a completely different issue again for me it was the one which we highlighted in this sort of runner next four fixtures as a must not lose um, I, I thought that we needed to take realistically from Millwall, this, Rotherham. Um, we needed to take uh, seven points um, yeah. a, as a, a as a necessity. Realistically, if you go and win this one, you can not lose then the following week at Rotherham, which would be nice. But again, unsure of what type of side that will turn up from Bristol City. Um, I do believe we do 0-1 from the game down at Ashton Gate. Um, that was toss of a coin match, really. Yeah, uh, we've, um, we've
2: for me. We've not got anything to worry about or nothing to fear. Should yeah. I say? All right, I know they beat Southampton three yeah. one, and we're very good value for that three <laughs> one as well. Uh, win um, from from what I can gather, but I, I don't think we we you know we we can go thinking oh Christ, it's Bristol City that are coming to Hillsborough. You yeah. know, we've got to be on a. It's not it's not like Leicester or Southampton put it that way. We're not, not gonna correct. We 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 can go toe to toe with them, and we and we can beat them. I think. I mean, Scott Twine. Uh, we'll we we do remember him he scored this he scored on his debut he's then since missed the next seven games I don't know if he's going to be fit for for Saturday so that'll be a welcome miss of course if he's if he's missed out and the other one Tommy Conway is is their leading goal scorer he only scored six goals so they seem to be even though they've sat 12 must be suffering from the same thing as what we do and and you know, not really got a, a striker that's scoring loads of goals. Let's have a look at how many goals they've actually scored this season. Um, 38 goals versus our 26. So one of the, when you look at around, there's not many teams in the 30s in terms of goals. So they do, they, they haven't scored many. Uh, away from home, um, where are they? Let's have a look. Bristol City, can't even find them away from home. That's, where are they? They're ninth. They've only scored 17 goals in 16 games away from home. So, the, yeah, again, struggling. But, yeah, Tommy Conway's got six. He's a 21-year-old that's come through their youth ranks. Um, yeah, in terms of a score prediction then, Matt, for, for Saturday's game, what are, you, what are you thinking? I know you've mentioned you take a draw. Is that what you're going to stick I with? Would
3: take, I, would, I would take a draw, but I'm going for a 1-0 Wednesday win. Um, I would I would take a draw um, just on the basis of, uh, I think it's of those three games that I've just mentioned, I think it's the more difficult of the fixtures. I know Rotherham is a local derby, but uh, as I said earlier on, uh, for me, Rotherham are gone. Uh, yeah. And there is a massive quality difference between the, us and them in terms of the two sides. And I know they're better at home. I, I, I think we'll win 1-0. Uh, Who's going to get the goal? And, and that, oh, let's have... Let's have Jan Pavada to break his to break his goal scoring drought so far of coming to Willsbury. He's done everything but score, really. Well, I mean, uh, what's his
2: What's his celebration? I'm not, I can I can imagine him being. Do you know what I I've got him doing some sort of like Robbie Keane, like kind of front front roll in a bit of a you know with his hands, you know, little guns with his hands or something like that.
3: And I've got him run to the corner. Get mobbed by everybody, then stand and walk across in front of the cop, giving it big all arms out. Everybody coming slapping the back of his head, him pulling his socks up, pointing to the sky, all of that. As long as it wastes three, four minutes off the clock, I'm fine.
2: Yeah, well, hopefully we haven't got long to find out what his goal celebration is going to be. You Correct. could just look on YouTube, I guess, and just type in your Pavera <laughs> goals, but um, we're not going to do that. We'll wait to do it. We we'll wait to see what he does in front of the cup uh, on the on Saturday. Um, I'm going to go for um, again. I've got you've got to be Mister Positive. It's going to be a win. I'm going to say two-one win. It'll be two-nil, and they'll get a, a late consolation. And first goal scorer, it's got to be Ugbo, and it's he got three and five. He's got three and five, so or three in his last three. Um, if you look, so three and three, he's going to make it four and four. And yeah, we're going to we're going to beat him two one. Um, right, we're going to wrap things up there, Matt. Massive thanks for, for coming. On. I hope you've enjoyed it. It's been uh, it's been a good laugh actually. To be fair,
3: yeah, absolute pleasure. Cheers for having me on, James.
2: Yeah, no problem. Uh, we are going to be talking about away days and kind of what makes what ingredients do you need to make a fantastic away day and judging by what you've been talking about already i'm guessing beers is going to be fairly high up on the uh on the pecking order to be fair uh, so yeah we're going to be talking about that on extra time so head over to patreon.com forward slash wtid pod if you want to hear about Matt's wacky away days that he's had uh, following, uh, following Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, but yeah, we're going to wrap things up. Massive thanks for, for joining us. Hope you've enjoyed it and we'll see you again next time. Cheers, guys.
0: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
3: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.